And a good Sunday morning to you. Susie Jones happens to be on a uh, CCU Good Neighbor tour for the next couple of Sundays. Denny Long filling in in the meantime. Nice to have you here this uh, beautiful Sunday morning here in the Twin Cities. Uh, we have invited, and I'm glad he agreed, Dr. Frank Rehm, who is an infectious disease physician with Alina here in the Twin Cities, to talk about infectious diseases. Maybe we'll zero in on hepatitis and and clear up some other uh, other uh, subjects as well. Dr. Rehm, good morning to you. Thanks so much for taking time out this morning. Good morning to you on this lovely morning. It really is. Uh, we always like to uh, kind of ask our guests uh, a little personal bra- background, like where you grew up and where you did your medical education. Uh, let, let's, if we can, hear a little bit of before we dive into the subject. Oh, it's a long story. <laughs> I was born in Pittsburgh, but I only lived there three months. And I went to Cleveland, then I went to Long Island, then San Antonio, then Scottsdale, Arizona, then Southern California. Then uh, I spent two years in Atlanta at the CDC, and uh, I did my infectious diseases training at Stanford and did my medical school at Columbia and went to college at Caltech. That's a long story, more than you want to know. I've been here since 1979, <laughs> so I can't claim I'm just visiting anymore. But you are definitely a Minnesotan now after uh, after yeah. a few years, for sure. <laughs> yes. Uh, again, before we even get involved, I'd like to uh, invite our listeners to join in. Always, uh, we'd like to uh, ask you for your phone calls or text messages for our guests. Uh, it's uh, just one number to remember, as usual, 651-461-9226, 651-461-9226. We wanted, among other things, to uh, get you on the show, Dr. Rehm, uh, because Friday, this past Friday, was World Hepatitis Day. Maybe you can do a little definition for us, for we, what I would call civilians or lay people. What, uh, what's hepatitis? How serious is this? What is it? Well, let me just start with the word. Uh, itis is the medical term for inflammation. So appendicitis is inflammation of the appendix. Pancreatitis is inflammation of the pancreas. Hepatitis is inflammation of the liver. Uh, and there are a variety of causes. We have five viruses that do it, and I expect that's what we're going to be talking much about today. But there are other things that can do it too. Uh, and the, 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 the liver doesn't have a lot of ways of, of expressing unhappiness. Uh, so even though these viruses are very different, uh, they basically produce the same kind of damage to the liver. Uh, and over time, the ones that are chronic, the hepatitis viruses that are chronic, can cause the liver to basically get scarred, and that's cirrhosis. And cirrhosis is when the liver can't do what a liver needs to do, and that's quite serious. What uh, I wanted to ask you, too, whatever brought you back in your education, your early days, uh, what, what interested you about the, the infectious diseases? What, what brought you to oh. that point? Oh, so I've, I've had interest in infectious diseases ever since I was in college, uh, I was a virologist in, in college, and uh, I, I just, you know, infectious diseases is clearly the least predictable of all medical specialties because, we, you know, I've lived through AIDS and SARS and, and uh, uh, multi-resistant TB, and uh, it, it, it's very new. There are a lot of bugs out there trying to make a living off us, and they all do it in slightly different ways. We're going to hear about that this morning, I think. They have their own wrinkles on how they get around and take advantage of us, and it's it to me it's amazingly fascinating. Well, when I think of uh, maybe most of us do about infectious diseases, I think of things like uh, cold or influenza or certainly uh, 
uh, COVID-19. I mean, these are all infectious diseases, are they not? Absolutely. And they and, all have their special wrinkles, and some of them are, are, are devastating for us, and some of us don't give us any trouble at all. Uh, how common is this hepatitis? And I know there are various types. Maybe you could break those down for us. Yeah, so we have we, we, we letter them, A, B, C, D, and E. Uh, D and E are pretty uncommon in the U.S., so we can really focus on A, B, and C. And, and so hepatitis A is the one we get from bad sanitation. So that's, uh, uh, we're vulnerable to that when we're in parts of the world that uh, don't have good uh, 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 sewage disposal and, and you can get contaminated food and water. Hepatitis A is not a chronic infection. Uh, you get it and uh, uh, you feel crummy for uh, uh, a couple of weeks or more and it, uh, you get over it and it's in your past and you never get it again. Uh, so A case of hepatitis A or the uh, vaccine for hepatitis A produces lifelong immunity. So it's not like uh, we're, we're finding coronaviruses. It's not like vaccines for AIDS, which don't work at all. This one is quite effective. You don't get it again. So it, it, if you're really sick if in, in the third world when, where people have uh, uh, less, uh, poorer nutrition, hepatitis A can be fatal. But for most of us, it's not. Uh, and uh, that one we just get, and it's over. But B and C can produce chronic infection, and and what that basically means is that more liver cells die per day than usual. So, so our bodies are are basically worked by by uh, uh, destroying the old and replacing it with the new. You, your red cells last about three months, and you make new ones. Your skin sheds, and you make new skin underneath it. So every part of our body basically. Uh, uh, gets rid of the old and replaces it with the new. And livers are pretty good at, at generating new cells. But if you wear them down by having more cells die per day than usual, ultimately it can get scarred and fibrotic. Our word for scarring is fibrosis. And uh, that, that you, when that happens, uh, the liver can get to a place where it can't do what our liver needs, needs to do. And therein really lies the problem with these chronic hepatitis, the B and C, in that they can go on like this for a long while without producing any symptoms. And when they, when they finally do produce symptoms, it's, it, there's a, a lot of damage. So we have pretty good drugs uh, for hepatitis B and C. Uh, we have a vaccine for hepatitis B. So uh, we, one, of the, one of the key messages today will be, that uh, everybody should get screened for hepatitis B and hepatitis C. So CDC recommends a blood test to screen you for hepatitis B and C once in your lifetime. And then if you've had risks, and we can get over those, then, you're, then you might want to screen yourself more often. I'll tell you what, let's do. I know we're up against the clock. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, uh, we'll, we'll discuss uh, even more of these. And, and how do we maybe, how does one get uh, this like uh, hepatitis B and C. We'll talk about that among other things. If you're just joining us, Dr. Frank Rehm, who is an infectious disease physician with Alina here in the Twin Cities, and we're talking about that very topic. And always welcome your calls or or text messages if that's easier. Six five one four six one 
888-900-9226 on our health hour here on a Sunday morning. In the Twin Cities, we, uh, we're going to have a beautiful day today. It is right now. Uh, we expect highs near 80 today, gradually becoming sunny, maybe so where you are already. Our current CCO temperature reading 64 degrees. Stay with us. Sunday morning to you. Beautiful morning here in the Twin Cities. Denny in for Susie. We're talking with Dr. Frank Rame, who's an infectious disease physician uh, with Alina here in the Twin Cities. We mentioned that Friday was World Hepatitis Day this past Friday, and uh, that's uh, just one of uh, many topics we hope to, to chat with Dr. Rame about this morning. Dr. Rame, when we broke, uh, just before we did the break, uh, we were talking about uh, hepatitis A, and you were talking about as far as unsanitary conditions. Uh, B and C, how, do we, how does one get uh, hepatitis B or C? So uh, let's start with B. There's a, there's a variety of, of people who are at increased risk uh, uh, for hepatitis B, uh, we, we can go through the, the list and and I'll get at what what causes the uh, uh, transmission. But some of it is sexual, male to male sex does that, but heterosexual sex too does it as well, not as efficiently. Uh, sharing needles does it. Having had a transfusion before the blood was screened effectively can do it. A lot of the hepatitis B. So, so there are undoubtedly many people listening to this call who have chronic hepatitis B or C who don't know it, and a lot of that is mother to child. So these days we screen pregnant women very uh, assiduously, and we treat the, the babies of, of hepatitis B-carrying women uh, with vaccine and with uh, immune globulin right away, and they don't very often get it. But back in the old days, uh, there were a lot of uh, people who got it from their mothers and didn't know it. This is particularly true for people who are immigrants from areas with high hepatitis B prevalence. So if you have were born in a country where the hepatitis B prevalence is more than 2%, that puts you at special risk, uh, and particularly because many times our immigrants don't know what the state of their mother's health is, uh, so they, they don't know. Uh, what that they that they got it, and then again, you can have had it for decades before it does anything to you. Uh, so that's just that's just a start on it. For hepatitis C, <clears throat> it's mostly needle sharing and uh, some sex, and uh, and then transfusions before uh, we we were able to screen for hepatitis B, hepatitis C. Excuse me. So that was about 1982. We started to be able to screen blood. Or hepatitis C. So if you got transfusion before then, uh, you really ought to get screened. Wow. So there, there, there are no symptoms. I mean, you could have it, like you said, for for years and not uh, not even know it. But a blood test, a simple, I use the term simple, blood test will uh, will show you uh, whether you have it or not. Absolutely. That's a key message of for this morning. Oh. Excellent. Uh, again, six five one four six one. Secondly, I'll just yeah. say second. The second point is, we have good, uh, we have we have curative treatments for hepatitis C now, which are very easy to take, and which you only have to take for two or three months. For hepatitis B, we can suppress it. It doesn't look like very many people get cured of hepatitis B, <clears throat> but we can suppress it, so it doesn't do anything to you. 
Dr. Rehm, if, if, we, if, if one has it, uh, hepatitis C, and uh, d- does not know it, eventually uh, I would imagine you do get some kind of symptoms. What might those be? Well, hepatitis B and C basically can kill you two different ways. I've talked about cirrhosis, which is that scarring of the liver to the point that it can't do what it needs to do. Uh, if you get cirrhosis, what you notice is that uh, your, your eyes could turn yellow because you can't uh, process the hemoglobin in your red cells, and that produces a bilirubin, which makes your eyes yellow. You can uh, your abdomen can swell because you get fluid collection in your abdomen. Uh, you can just get weak because your liver's not producing all of the substances it needs to. The, your liver's a pretty amazing organ, uh, and it, it's not doing all that stuff it needs to do to keep us healthy. The other way that hepatitis, chronic hepatitis can kill you is by giving you liver cell cancer. And again, that's a screening issue. Uh, if, if you have, so, so basically for hepatitis C, for instance, if you have a lot of damage to your liver, then you are going to be at increased risk of liver cell cancer for the balance of your life, if, even if we cure you. If you have very little scarring in your liver, we can cure you, and that's it for you. You don't have to worry about it ever again. Uh, but the people who, who get cured when it's late, in the course of hepatitis C, they are at risk for hep- for liver cell cancer. And that, again, you have to screen for uh, because you don't get the symptoms until it's too late. Uh, it's like ovarian cancer or pancreatic cancer. Those are things which, which just, they, they can be, they, they, they start and you, you, you get to a point where you can't do what you need to do to cure yourself before you find out about it. Uh, so I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of thrashing about here. Maybe you could direct me as to what you want. You know, to... I, I, I want, Dr. Rehm, by the way, we're, if you're just joining us, Dr. Frank Rehm is with us this Sunday morning here on CCO. He is an infectious disease physician with Alina here in the Twin Cities. Among other things, and we'll get to other topics as well besides hepatitis. Uh, do you see a lot of hepatitis B and C in your practice, Doctor? I wanted to know how we kind of shape up not only in America, but... Uh, here in uh, Minnesota, or specifically the Twin Cities, you see a lot of cases of B and C. Yeah, so I get, you know, so Alina is a big place. It's got 6,000 clinicians and 11 hospitals. And, and so I and, and a couple of my infectious diseases colleagues and, and some liver specialists as well get referrals for hepatitis B and hepatitis C. Hepatitis C is actually pretty easy to manage now. Just about anyone could do it. But I think most physicians are more comfortable when there's something like this, referring it to a specialist. That's not a bad thing. I think anything you do more than a dozen times a year, you can get pretty familiar with. But if you only do one or two cases a year, I think it's reasonable to refer someone to a specialist. And I get a fair amount. Hepatitis B is more complicated. Uh, uh, and, and I think there you really do need to involve a specialist. And, and why and- is it? Why is it more complicated, doctor? Uh, it's basically because not everybody with hepatitis B needs treatment. And uh, the, the, uh, the, the importance of, uh, of, of screening is probably greater in the hepatitis B case because it produces liver cell cancer by a different mechanism than, uh, than hepatitis C does. And so there, so the, 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 the rules 
the recommendations for screening people are are different and more complicated. Um, and because it's a, basically it's it's a lifelong treatment for most people right now. The, the, the treatment is very good. It's a single pill once a day. It's very effective. But uh, people do need to to be encouraged to keep taking it to avoid the damage that chronic hepatitis can do. Well, I tell you what, I'm getting another signal. Time for a break for the weather forecast. So we'll do that when we come back. Uh, folks, uh, our listeners, uh, Dr. Raymar, uh, uh, texting in about the various topics uh, common colds, one, uh, influenza, the flu, uh, certainly uh, COVID-19 people are asking about. Chicken pox is one. Uh, e. coli is another, and HIV AIDS, which you mentioned earlier. Let's uh, let's kind of touch on those topics maybe in the next half hour before you take your leave today. Uh, we'll take this break and be back on the other side in our uh, health radio hour here on Sunday morning. If you have a question or a comment, 651 461 9226. That's our phone and text line here on News Talk 830. This is WCCO. Stay with us. And welcome back to CCO Radio at our health hour. Every Sunday morning in the 7 o'clock hour, Denny and for Susie, she's on a good neighbor tour for the next couple of Sundays, but she will be back. In the meantime, we're talking with Dr. Frank Rehm, who is an infectious disease physician with Alina here in the Twin Cities. We earlier this first segments or two, we're talking about uh, hepatitis A, B, and C. And again, I mentioned uh, Dr. Rehm. Uh, thanks again for for joining us uh, today. Uh, we have a lot of different, a lot of different uh, text messages, questions, and comments from our listeners this morning. Interesting ones. Uh, let's uh, let's see if we can push you to work here. Uh, a little bit. Uh, C. diff. You, you uh, understand what I mean when I say how wonderful infectious diseases is, because all these bugs have got their own special ways of getting after us, and uh, and there are different things we do to minimize the the impact of them on us. It's wonderful. You're absolutely right. Uh, a texter came in, or the text came in earlier this morning, doctor, about C. diff. Uh, and maybe you could explain what that is, uh, and I know that can, can be nasty stuff. Uh, they they want to know how can they avoid C. diff. They've had it a couple of times. What is C. diff? So that's a bug which uh, often inhabits our intestinal tract, not doing anything to us. But when we take antibiotics, we suppress our normal bowel flora, and C. diff can then go go to work. And what it does is it produces a toxin, which gives us diarrhea, which varies all the way from being mild, a couple a couple extra loose stools, to being life threatening. So it it, it it's a problem, and and uh, uh, when people get it, it's typically kicked off by an antibiotic, uh, and uh, sometimes it it can be very troublesome and hard to get rid of, and it has a. a, a, a Awful tendency to recur. Probably if you get it once and you get a treatment for it and it goes away, you, you have a 20, 30% chance of getting a relapse. So it, it's a problem we have not exactly solved in medicine. And we really don't have a way to prevent it uh, uh, except to try to minimize the use of antibiotics. And to we do have some treatments for it. And sometimes people have had a lot of relapses. If we have to give them a course of antibiotics for an ear infection or something like that, We'll give them one of these treatment drugs to, to to reduce the chance of a relapse. Again, our phone number happens to be also our text number six five one four six one nine two two six. 
Another listener says this, doctor, if you are donating blood, is that being screened for hepatitis, and will the Red Cross notify the donor if it's found? Yes, absolutely. So the, the blood supply these days practically never transmits HIV or hepatitis B or hepatitis C, and they screen for a bunch of other stuff as well. Uh, and they do it very effectively, and uh, it is extremely rare that uh, you know the blood gets through their very very uh, uh, complex process. And they will tell you, uh, and that's actually a fairly common uh, a source for a referral to me. Someone will have donated blood and and will be notified of hepatitis B or hepatitis C, and and then they'll they'll get to me to to try to sort it out and figure out what to do. Another text says this, Dr. Aim, uh, can you talk about autoimmune hepatitis? Absolutely. I'm not a hepatologist, but uh, but I know enough about autoimmune hepatitis to worry about it and to look for it when I don't find a good explanation for someone's uh, uh, liver abnormalities in a virus. So that's one of the many causes of hepatitis, which is not from a virus. And we have, so our immune systems are, are really quite remarkable. Uh, so not only are they very good at, at uh, combating bugs that are attacking us, but unfortunately they are sometimes get out of hand and they produce a, a reaction to ourselves. And you can have uh, uh, some immunity so, so here, here again, let me go back and say, we not only have to have a way of turning our immune systems on to a foreign thing, but we have to have a way of turning it off in, 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 when it comes to reacting to us. And that doesn't always work perfectly. And that produces immunity against self, autoimmune, and, uh, and that, that requires a special uh, uh, expertise to control. Uh, that usually involves taking drugs that suppress the immune system, uh, which you wouldn't want to do if you had viral hepatitis, but you do want to do if you have serious autoimmune hepatitis. Another listener is asking, yeah, we, we were all across the board here this morning. We appreciate the input. Uh, a, a listener is wondering, how common yet is chickenpox? Not very common because the vaccine is really quite effective against it. Uh, and uh, it, again, produces the vaccine or chickenpox itself produces uh, very durable immunity, and so we don't see much of it anymore, uh, which is a good thing. Uh, of the childhood illnesses, measles, mumps, rubella, uh, chickenpox, uh, it's uh, measles, which is the one that kills people, maybe one in a thousand, and uh, uh, maybe overseas where sanitation isn't as good and people are not as healthy, uh, it can kill one in 500 or even more than that. Uh, but, but, but all the, the vaccines are very good at preventing those illnesses. Uh, and uh, so, so they're, they're, we don't have it pretty much. That's good. What uh, I think about chickenpox, and I think uh, we've done shows about shingles, is that not an infectious disease? Is it just a, a kind of a side effect of the old bug? Yeah, well, it, so, so there's a class of, of germs here. We're going to get more technical than maybe we want to be. We call them the human herpes viruses. Uh, there are eight of them. Uh, uh, 
herpes simplex type 1 and type 2 are two of them. The, the EBV virus, Epstein-Barr virus, the one that causes infectious mononucleosis. CMV, which uh, is a problem for fetuses. And uh, chickenpox, caused by the VZV virus. All these human herpes viruses uh, have the ability to establish a, a chronic infection and recur. Uh, so chickenpox can come back. Uh, your, your, your case of chickenpox you got when you were two can come back as shingles when you're 65. Uh, and uh, shingles is that it, they just stay, stay alive in our nervous system and recur. And shingles is a mess. It could be very painful. Uh, happily, we have a, a vaccine for that one too, Shingrix, which is pretty dang effective at, at, at reducing the chance of getting shingles. It's now recommended for everybody over 50. Um, and uh, I, that's, a, that's a, a, good, a good solution to that problem. But shingles can be very painful. And, and, and when you get a case, sometimes it, there can be pain in the area where you got it for, for months and months and months. I've heard bad stories about that. Yeah. Uh, one thing I want, not only me, but uh, other listeners wanted to ask you about as well, is E. coli. Let me just read this text that came in, Doctor. It says, good morning. My husband was diagnosed recently with an E. coli infection from a blood culture. He was hospitalized and treated and is now okay. They want to know how common is it to have E. coli in your bloodstream. He is uh, immunocompromised. Maybe you could... Uh, Give us a definition of uh, that long-term uh, E. coli. What is it? So E. coli is, is, is in your colon right now. You've got a bunch of E. coli in your colon, and every one of our listeners do as well. And ordinarily, uh, it and we exist in harmony, uh, but it is a common cause of urinary tract infection. It's a common cause of abdominal infection. If you get a ruptured diverticulum or appendix uh, or if uh, uh, you get some some uh, bowel uh, infarction, some some dead bowel from a clot, uh, it it is a common cause of those infections. And they can, if they're bad enough, they get into your bloodstream, and uh, that is quite serious. It it, it is uh, uh, potentially fatal. Uh, of bloodstream infections, E. coli is one of the more common. Uh, but people don't get bloodstream infections that often. You just have to have a, a, a bad in, local infection to get it into the bloodstream, and that is quite serious. And I will say this uh, about E. coli is that they're gradually getting more resistant. One of the problems in infectious diseases is these bugs are smart, and they are learning to be resistant to our antibiotics, which is another reason why we try not to be too loose in their, in, in giving them. Because uh, the more we use those antibiotics, the, the more the bugs are going to evolve to to uh, be resistant to them. So the E. coli infection used to be pretty easy to treat, and now a lot of them are resistant to, this, to the standard drugs. We're, 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 we've been able to keep ahead of E. coli, but uh, some of the bugs that we get right now, we really don't have good solutions for. TB, for instance, we have we have some strains of TB that are just really hard to treat. And E. coli, so that C. difficile we mentioned earlier, that one is learning to be resistant too, uh, which complicates uh, treatment. Wow. So it's good news, bad news. 
with uh, antibiotics. Uh, I tell you what, I'm getting another signal. We need to take a break, uh, Dr. Raymond. If you're just joining us, we'll be back with the remaining minutes of our show. Uh, certainly, we welcome your uh, questions uh, uh, via phone or text, and we've got a few here to pick up on when we come back. 651-461-9226. Dr. Frank Rame is with us this morning. He is an infectious disease physician with Alina here in the Twin Cities. Back with more on News Talk 830. This is WCCO. It's a Sunday morning here in the Twin Cities, 64 degrees right now, heading to near 80 today. Denny in for Susie. She'll be back in a couple of weeks. She's on a good neighbor tour. We've been chatting with Dr. Frank Rame, who is an infectious disease physician at Alina here in the Twin Cities, about those very things. And I, I would be remiss, Dr. Rame, and we're getting text messages about it as well. If I didn't ask you uh, about HIV AIDS I know you've worked uh, with those uh, good folks for so many years, and uh, we even have a comment about that. How do we stand with HIV-AIDS uh, to this day? Well, we're still having transmissions, uh, which are really unnecessary these days, uh, because if you have HIV and you take the drugs and you suppress it perfectly, you don't transmit. Uh, so we'd, we'd love to get rid of it. Uh, we don't cure it, but we can suppress it. And uh, people get all the way or dang close to normal lifespans or a lifespan they would have had if they were HIV uh, negative. Uh, so so the, the situation for people who have it is good, but except insofar as you have to deal with people like me every couple, every six months and give, have a blood test every, every you know, a couple times a year, uh, but otherwise, and take a pill every day. Uh, but but when, when I started out, doing HIV care in 1981, uh, and for the next 15 years, I watched a lot of people die who are wonderful young, mostly men. Uh, and uh, nowadays, and then and then for another 10 years, I, I had drugs that, that would, would cure people, or not cure people, would, would keep them from dying, but they were unpleasant to take. Now we've got drugs which are really easy to take, one pill once a day, and you get all the way or almost all the way to a, lifespan you would have otherwise had, uh, that seems like a pretty good deal these days to me. Uh, well, I, I'm looking at, uh, Dr. Rame, a, a, a shout-out, as the texter puts out to you, Dr. Rame, and I'll just read it. It says, uh, for your compassion and care in 1995, uh, texter says, when I met with him and at a, at a hospital social worker while making end-of-life decisions for my brother-in-law, Michael who was dying of AIDS. So uh, a texter, a shout-out to you for your compassion and care, and I, I, I think you've heard those those comments uh, toward you in, in the past. Well, uh, I just thought I'd let, let me say about that, that when you die of AIDS in 1995, that's particularly tragic because that's about the time. So it was the end of 1995 that we got medicines that would really control it. So this is like being the, 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 the last person shot in a war, you know, Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that individual was within a year of of, of, of being with us today. If, if, uh, if you know, the timing was a little different, uh, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about uh, COVID. And uh, this particular texter says, "Can you talk a little bit about COVID rebound and the treatment of long term COVID nineteen?" Yeah. So, so the, the rebound phenomenon is is uh, one that probably happens even in people who don't get treatment, but the people who get Paxlovid will maybe 10, 20% of the time 
have uh, a, a rebound after the Paxlovid is over. And there's a, a very good trial underway to see if maybe 10 days of Paxlovid instead of five days will reduce that. The people who get the relapses don't seem to get very severe disease, uh, uh, but but it's also pretty disconcerting to have a relapse. Uh, uh, so so COVID is a COVID is, is is not a solved problem. We still have people dying from it. It's it's, it's way reduced because so many of us have immunity to it. So the number of people dying uh, per day is is nowhere near as fierce it was at the beginning, but it's still happening. And uh, that, so, so I've talked about the durable immunity you get from chickenpox or hepatitis A. The problem here is that we don't seem to be able to make durable immunity to coronaviruses. That's this class of viruses in which SARS, MERS, and there were there were four of them that caused the common cold, and now we have uh, COVID. These are all coronaviruses, and for whatever reason, our, we don't seem to be able to make durable immunity to those, uh, and. Uh, and then you got this one mutating to beat the band as well, so it's going to be with us for for the foreseeable future. I'm 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 pretty sure we're going to be getting annual revaccinations for it, just just because you, you need that to to maintain the immunity. Unless we get a, a vaccine which somehow produces durable immunity, um, and and so it, it's going to be our in our future. This fall we'll have a a new uh, vaccine, uh, so. Uh, the, the, the original vaccines until September 1st of last year were all based on the Wuhan strain, the original COVID strain. Mm-hmm. As of September 1st, we, we got a bivalent, that's two different viruses that included both the, the uh, Wuhan strain and the strains that were in circulation about 18 months ago. So that was an improvement, uh, and uh, everybody should get a, a, one of those boosters uh, particularly if you're vulnerable or if you're around somebody who's vulnerable. Uh, and the one in the fall is going to be a new one. It's going to go back to monovalent. They're going to ditch the Wuhan strain altogether, and it's going to be reflective of the strains which are circulating about three months ago. Uh, so we, we, we're, you, we're, we're going to be a little behind when we take it in the fall. I think that's going to be the nature of this. It's going to, the virus is going to be moving on, uh, but it's a heck of a lot closer to what will be circulating in the next year than the previous strains. And so I think almost everybody is going to get a recommendation to get that booster in the fall and probably influenza and RSV. So RSV vaccine is going to be available in the fall. And uh, I think it's going to be recommended for everybody over 60. It's not clear yet. Uh, so this is going to be a trifecta of vaccines to take in the fall. Uh, and unfortunately, they're not going to be co-formulated. We're going to have to get three different shots, one for each one. Well, if it does the job, I'll be there. I'll yep. be in line, yep. <laughs> as as I hope people are. Uh, I, I was going to ask you, and I know we have about a minute to go. Maybe in, in less than a minute, uh, you can uh, predict what kind of a flu season may we have this uh, this fall in your crystal <laughs> so, ball. Yeah, so anybody who predicts what influenza is going to do is not somebody you want to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> It is highly unpredictable, uh, and uh, I, boy, I wish I knew. I, so I, I won't even hesitate a prediction. That, that makes yeah. a lot of sense, Doctor Rain. We have to, uh, we have to uh, take our leave here. Thank you so much again for taking time this uh, this Sunday morning. A lot of information, and I hope we can call on you again. Sure thing. Bye bye. Bye bye, Doctor Frank Rain, who is an infectious disease physician. He knows his stuff. 
He is uh, with Alina here in the Twin Cities. We're going to make way for CBS News and local news on CCO, and then uh, Bruce and Peg with uh, more of your money. Stay with us straight ahead. 64 degrees, a beautiful day here on CCO.